This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. Good morning, this is Marshall Davis. Today I'm going to explore that term that we hear every once in a while about people being spiritual but not religious, and I am proposing that Jesus was spiritual but not religious. Non-duality has a lot more to do with spirituality than it does with religion. Non-duality is certainly represented in every religious tradition in the mystical branches of those religions, but it tends to be relegated to the periphery of religion. It's sometimes even branded as heresy and persecuted by the religion's power brokers, especially in Western religions. This was the case in Jesus' day. He was opposed by the establishment religion of his day, both the temple priests and the synagogue leaders. Jesus was a disruptor of what we would call today organized religion, or what we Christians call the institutional church, especially the type that is in bed with worldly powers. Most Western Christians do not see this anti-religious theme in the ministry of Jesus, and especially in the Gospel of John, because Christianity is still in bed with economic and political authorities. In America, we need to look no further than the religious right to see how evangelical Christianity has sold its soul for political influence. This is not unique to Christianity, though. It is true in every major religion that's large enough to gain social and political power in any country. It's true of Islam. It's true of Judaism in Israel. It's true in Hinduism in India and Nepal. It's even true of Buddhism. In the, the second chapter of the Gospel of John, we see Jesus' attitude toward organized religion demonstrated in an action that's usually called the cleansing of the temple. Jesus takes a whip of cords and physically drives money changers and sacrifice sellers out of the Jerusalem temple. This cleansing of the temple is found in all four Gospels, but it's somewhat different in the Gospel of John. First, in John's Gospel, it comes early in Jesus' ministry, whereas in the other three, it comes in the last week of Jesus' life. In John, it is his first public act after the wedding in Cana. It is his first symbolic action that he does in Jerusalem, and it sets the theme for the rest of his ministry. Second, what Jesus says as he drives them out in the Gospel of John is different. In the first three Gospels, Jesus says, My Father's house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. He is attacking corruption in religion. In the Gospel of John, he says this, 
take these things away. Stop making my father's house a house of business. This is variously translated house of trade or house of merchandise or a marketplace. In the Greek text, Jesus is literally calling the temple an, an emporium, which we get in our English language the word emporium from it. It is a place where business transactions take place. So Jesus is not talking just about corruption. He's talking about making religion into a business. You can see why Christians today can't hear this message any longer. It's because many churches have become places of business. Big business in some cases. I'm thinking of mega churches where pastors are more like CEOs. The pastors of such churches are ones who like to be court prophets to presidents, although today we call them spiritual advisors. Jesus was crucified by such spiritual advisors. Remember the words of Jesus, you cannot serve both God and mammon. But there's more controversy here in Jesus' words. He's not just condemning the role of business transactions in religion. He is addressing the idea of religion as a system of business transactions between God and humans. If you have been a part of traditional Christianity, you know what I am talking about. In the dominant theological systems of Christianity, the relationship between God and humans is pictured as a business transaction. We owe a debt to God, which we cannot pay, so Jesus pays it for us. Or it is pictured as a legal transaction. We see this especially in the writings of the Apostle Paul. We have broken the law, and justice must be meted out. Punishment must be had. Otherwise, a cosmic order would fall apart, it seems. God cannot just forgive, we are told, although we're never told why. If God is omnipotent, why can't God just forgive? But, according to this religious system of thought, he can't. His need for justice and punishment must be satisfied. So, Jesus takes the punishment for our sin upon himself, and we get off scot-free. We're never told how punishing an innocent person is just or fair. But that's how the story goes. Salvation is a transaction. Christianity adopted this transactional idea of salvation from Judaism. The temple sacrificial law of the Old Testament is a sin management system based on transactions that atone for sin and restore us to our proper relationship to God. Christianity continued the same idea, only making Jesus into the sacrifice that pays our debt or atones for our sin. In cleansing the temple, Jesus was doing away with this type of transactional religion. He was thrown out the whole sacrificial system and by extension throwing out the Christian sacrificial theology. He would not be the first Hebrew prophet to do this. God says in Jeremiah, your burnt offerings are not acceptable nor your sacrifices pleasing to me. Isaiah says, 
What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. God says in Amos, I hate, I despise your feasts. I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the peace offerings of your fattened animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs. To the melody of your harps, I will not listen. Jesus is repeating the same anti-religion, anti-sacrificial theme of the Hebrew prophets, and he got the same response as these prophets got. Jesus opposes dualistic religion conceived as a transaction between God and humans. He was opposed to the temple system, which he prophesied was coming to an end soon with the destruction of the temple, and that came to pass. In 70 AD, when Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed by the Romans, and the temple has never been rebuilt, and the sacrificial system came to an end. In cleansing the temple, Jesus was symbolically ridding the earth and his own religion of such dualistic thinking. In place of temple religion, Jesus understands humans as temples of God. God dwells in us. In the story, the temple authorities challenge Jesus' authority to do this bold act. It says, So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? but he was speaking of the temple of his body. In place of the business of religion, complete with elaborate buildings and priests and sacrifices, Jesus was proposing a simple spirituality based on the indwelling spirit of God in the human body. And not just Jesus' body, but our bodies. God is in us not in buildings of stone. That idea is well attested in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? This is incarnational, non-dual spirituality, where there is no difference between the human body and God. To find God, we need only look within. Jesus was spiritual, but not religious. Well, didn't Jesus go to synagogue? Yes, he did. But the synagogue rulers were against him, and he against them. Remember that he preached in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth, and they threw him out of the building and tried to throw him off a cliff. He only went to the synagogue to proclaim his radical alternative to the synagogue. I go to church regularly also. I spent my whole adult life in churches. That does not mean I buy into 
the dualistic distortions of organized religion. I go because that's where I find community and communal worship with fellow human beings. Didn't Jesus go to temple? Yes, he did. But not to offer sacrifices, but to teach in the temple courts his alternative gospel of a temple-less spirituality that reminds me a lot of Bonhoeffer's religionless Christianity. The message that Jesus proclaimed and lived was not about religion and its buildings and priesthood and rituals and sacrifices and laws and doctrines. He proclaimed a spirituality without duality, with no separation between God and humans that needed to be resolved through religious business and legal transactions. His gospel was about knowing what is in us. In the closing verse of this chapter, it says, Jesus had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Jesus knew what was in humans. He knew what was in him and us. He knew and proclaimed that the kingdom of God is within us. God is within us. To know this is to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is the Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.